Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. This week's episode is going to be a good one because we have to recap the Indy road course. Everybody's talking about it. I want to talk about it. So we're going to look back at a number of different things. We're going to take the gambler's perspective on what happened on Sunday. And then we must look ahead, put Indy in the rear view and look ahead to Michigan. Yeah, kind of an in-between track here as we leave a road course, heading to Daytona in a week from now. Michigan is on the slate for this week, and gambling makes this track so much better. So we're going to break down the bets that we have, try to find value when we can, but it's a little tough this week. And then after that, we need to call out the fact that the trucks are back. Playoffs are starting for the trucks this weekend on a Friday night. That's right up my alley. So we're going to do a quick little talk about the trucks and kind of leans on who we like so far because the lines are out right now for the truck series. So that'll be at the very end as we close out the episode. If you're into that, stay tuned for later. But now let's take a deep breath because everybody's been talking about what happened at Indy, a pretty normal race for about 95% of the race, and then all hell broke loose. Completely wild finish to that race for so many different reasons. So if you're living under a rock and you're only listening to this podcast just for the gambling advice and you don't actually watch the race, uh, let me try to clue you in on what happened because Kyle Larson was going to win that race. He was stretching out the field towards the end, and then one of the turns had a curb situation where the curb basically came up and wrecked so many race cars. I mean, it was just ridiculous to watch. So let me give you my perspective because I feel like this is I'm a good person to be able to talk about this um, from a gambling perspective with really no bias here. And I'll explain to you why. Because the night before, I was drinking a little bit and threw a drunk bet down on none other than A.J. Allmendinger for plus 2,200. So I hit, obviously, for the winner. But I also missed out on a bunch of top 20 bets that got completely ruined because of this damn racetrack fiasco. So I feel like I'm right in the middle there. I, I hit big on the, the winner, obviously, AJ, but missed out on a lot of the, the smaller bets, but a, a good amount of them. So, I, you know, I haven't done the math on whether I evened out or not, um, but I think I can talk about it with a sane level head. All right. So let's just get right into it because the fact of the matter is road courses are not supposed to end up like that. 
you know, there's a wild card element to road courses, maybe. But in this day and age, it's Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, and kind of everybody else. So as far as winning the race is concerned, uh, there's not really that big of a, a huge underdog opportunity there. For the finishing position bets and head-to-head bets, all that stuff that went down affected those bets massively. And that is something that kind of grinds my gears. I The racetrack is to blame 100%. And, you know, as a gambler, someone who puts thought into these bets, to have it impacted like that at a road course for no fault of the drivers is very frustrating. Um, at Daytona, a, a week from right now, that kind of shit is expected, right? We're going to bet on guys knowing that the big one can happen because it's the drivers who, you know, it's 50-50 kind of driver and then just getting caught up in, in something crazy. That stuff is expected at a racetrack like Daytona. At a road course, we do not expect to see half the field wrecked by the racetrack for no reason whatsoever. All right, that is frustrating. So I guess what I'll say is after it happened the first time, when Byron went flying and Joey Logano went flying and they they had the red flag and they tried to fix it, you know, I'm at that point, you know, the the guys that we called out, um, we're doing still pretty good in the top 20 because it wrecked some good cars. So, so guys shifted up in the running order. And at that point in time, I was sitting really pretty because I did have Hamlin plus 1900 and a bunch of other bets for top 10, uh, top 20 that were still hanging around. So watching the race to see them say, okay, you know, we fixed it. We're going to go back out. We're going to throw the green flag now and everybody's going to go. NBC almost knew it. I mean, they just kept that camera on that turn. They knew something was going to happen. And as soon as you see Bubba Wallace going flying through the grass, you know there's something. It just instantaneously you knew something was going to go wrong. So the fact that it happened again and wiped out so many cars again on the first time through the track uh, after the wreck, the second wreck really pisses me off. And to the point where, like, I never hop on Twitter that much, but... Um, I just had to tweet with like no context at all. I just tweeted out like, this is absurd because it was like, that's how I felt in that moment moment in time. How can they be satisfied with that? Like you're the guy putting the curb back together and you're just like, yeah, th- th- this seems good. This, this won't happen again. Um, like I just felt like NASCAR should have stepped in and be like, whoa, 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 wait a second. We might really have to, you know, do it. Instead they, they said, no, we're, we're going to take it out. And they left that shoot in there. Uh, basically it was like a, it was like a ramp that sent cars flying because the, the curb itself was removed. So these guys now with the last two laps remaining have to figure out how to navigate that curb with this random ramp in the middle of the curb. So if you choose to take it too tight, you're going to go flying in the sky. That just isn't, ex- that, that's not acceptable to me. Um, as a fan and, and as a gambler, it really, you know, drives me nuts because that's not the kind of shit I'm betting on. I'm betting on the information that I have now and, and the fact that the track bit us is frustrating. But in any case, then there was a, there was more to it, right? Because then you've got the, the 
Denny Hamlin situation and Chase Briscoe. I mean, a lot of talk about that. I don't really have a, a dog in this fight, but I think Briscoe, who for all intents and purposes has always come off as a great guy, really looks like an idiot here. Um, there, there's not really a way to defend what he did. Uh, he tried his best to defend it, saying that he wasn't aware that he was, you know, penalized. But at the same time, I mean, that's like stabbing someone and being like, oh, I didn't know I was going to get arrested for this. Like, you know, what you did was wrong. Uh, so how could you just take out the leader in that moment saying you're going for the win? Like, you know, you did something wrong and then you're going to go wreck Denny. Now, there are so many implications to this outcome that we're not going to be able to see for a while. For one, the the, the second wreck that happened because of the, the curb not being there and wrecking half the field, you had Austin Dillon caught up in that. So that's going to severely impact his playoff push. We're going to talk about Austin in this episode, but that affects him. And then something that doesn't really seem like they're talking about, you know, on Sirius and on Race Hub and such, which is Hamlin has now lost the points lead, which is so big for a driver who has not won a race. That's 15 bonus points, I'm quite sure, for the playoffs. He needs that. Those points are so valuable. We see it year in and year out, guys missing out on the next round by a point or two, and Hamlin needs those points. Now, we still have two races left. You never know what could happen, but I'll tell you what. We like Kyle Larson this week, so Denny's going to have to do something at Daytona, and I don't know if you know he'll still have the, the shot, by then to have a shot at the points lead. So um, Briscoe doing what he did has implications just throughout the, the rest of the season. Um, and the curb not being there has impacted many drivers and, and cost the different teams thousands and thousands and I guess millions of dollars. So very kind of frustrating to see that play out the way it did. And then, Hey, let's, let's shout out AJ Allmendinger. I mean, you know, I don't know what it was. We called him out to finish in the top 10. Obviously, that worked out pretty well. I mean, he was running pretty, you know, even keel, 15th most of the day. He was up front and then kind of got pushed back and was just kind of hanging in there. And all of a sudden, you give a guy like that a chance to win the race, he's going to he's gonna be there. So um, hats off to him. Really cool to see him win a race. I mean, I think everyone's... Um, He's one of those guys that, kind of like Matty D, you know what I mean? Everybody can kind of get behind an A.J. Allmendinger win. So, uh, and I was pretty happy that I uh, did throw a bet in randomly. Kind of woke up to that, actually. Like, what did I do? Um, so, I'll take it. But still, very strange outcome overall. So, you know, and I, I'm kind of shocked that they're already committing to go back to the road course. The the promoter is, is very hell-bent saying, like, yeah, they did a great job. A lot of people are interested in it. The doubleheader with Indy seemed to work out, but I, I don't know. I mean, that camera is going to be set on that curb for like all of the the race, just waiting for something to happen moving forward. So, um, and then we had the the full tank face off with our guys uh, Phil and Steve, and it came out victorious there. We'll touch on that a little bit more in the head to head section, but won that one, so um, feeling pretty good. So shout out. Speedway Steve 2 on Twitter. Thanks for coming on, and hopefully we, we see those guys later this year. So that's the, the talk. I'm kind of getting it all out, kind of venting um, for Indy. But we will move on because there's more money to be made at Michigan. Don't let this slip by you, all right? I've 
heard from some people that, you know, they're not really into this race. They're kind of looking ahead to Daytona, which who could, you know, blame someone for doing that. But there's chances here to win some money. So we're going to call them out. Last time we were here last year was a doubleheader. Same weekend. That was not by design. That was COVID created, the, the doubleheader here at Michigan. And, you know, is this a boring racetrack? I'm not really one to comment on that for Michigan. I will say that we're going to talk a lot this episode about, you know, comparable tracks, tracks that you can kind of match up the, the 550 package tracks and the ones that, you know, we're calling out that compare to Michigan um, due to the 550 package are pretty boring racetracks. Uh, you know, you got Texas, Charlotte, Atlanta, and Kansas. Um, you know, they're not too exciting. So, I, you know, if you are someone that says it's boring, can't hate on it. It's a two-mile track, though. Those tracks are mile and a half, I believe. 18-degree banked turns. So, pretty fast racetrack here. Um, but I always say, if you think that a racetrack is boring, it's even better to bet on it because then it becomes no longer boring. Uh, so let's take a look at the track stats here at Michigan. 103 races, 22 times the winner has started from the pole. Last time it happened was Joey Logano in 2019. That's a pretty high amount, honestly, uh, from what we're used to seeing. And then starting in the top five, 59% of the time, and in the top 10, 75% of the time. So that's like three out of four races you got the winner starting in that top 10. Outside of the top 20, it's happened seven times, and the last time it was Kurt Busch in 2015. So looking for manufacturer trends, you don't have to look too far. Ford this is their country, baby. They've won six in a row, seven of the last 10. And, you know, Chevy has won the, the other ones in there. Toyota is O for their last 10 races here at Michigan. So that is something to consider as you're placing your bets. Now, we will talk about guys in the Ford camp throughout this episode. Now, Looking at our stats, as we call out, no matter whether it's uh, the winner's area or the finishing position, head-to-heads, when I'm calling out stats this week, I've focused in on the last eight races. I've used the, the database that I have to zero in on those races. So when we call out average finish or driver rating, um, those types of stats, we're talking about the last eight races. And um, I mentioned the comparable racetracks. And one thing that I'm going to be calling out a lot was have access to the green flag speed numbers for 2021 in the season. And you can see what the average green flag speed numbers are for the, the full season average, you know, but I wanted to take it a step further to try to get a little bit more insight on who might be better this weekend. So I only focused on those tracks that are comparable to Michigan, according to the database that I use. So there's, um, those tracks that we've been to already this year, we've got those numbers. So to give you the, the full background there, in a single race, if you're the fastest, you have the fastest green flag speed, you'll get a number one, and then all the way down through 39 or however many drivers there are. And it keeps track of those stats all season long. So I'm focusing in on these specific tracks, Kansas, Texas, 
Charlotte, and Atlanta, those tracks that we've been to already, and getting a new average, an average for the comparable tracks to Michigan and kind of ranking that way. So I'm going to refer to those green flag speed stats throughout this episode. So let's talk winners, and I think I have to start in a different place than you might think I'm going. It's Kevin Harvick. All right, I'm not starting with the favorite. We'll touch on him in a second. A lot to talk about with him, but Kevin Harvick is going off at plus 800. 2021 is well documented for Kevin Harvick. Zero wins. You know, he's close to the cut line. If, if somebody random had won last week, he would have been the next guy up. You know, if, if somebody different from outside the top 16 were to win Daytona or Michigan, he'd been, you know, really sweating it. So um, he's, you know, clearly not having... The most ideal season, especially from Kevin Harvick's standards. But this racetrack may be what you would call a slump buster because he is just the man. Here at Michigan, over the last four to eight races, he really has been out of this world. Last year, we had the doubleheader. He swept it. All right. He won both races. And I remember that specifically because I faded him. I was not on Kevin Harvick. And especially after he won race one, I was even more fading. I'm like, he's not going to go back to back, but he did. And he's won the last three races that they've had at Michigan. So in his last eight races, four wins, 50% of the time he's winning the race in the last eight races. Five top fives, six top tens. His average finish is first. Driver rating is first. I mean, it's just he's the guy lately at Michigan. There's no getting around it. And so if you're looking at driver rating, for example, his his first place driver rating is 128.1. Second best is Kyle Busch at 105.8. I mean, that discrepancy, the difference between those two shows you just how good he's been. Three straight wins. And he's won three, sorry, four of the last five races at Michigan. Just crazy. So if you were to look at the schedule to start the season, right? Blank slate, forget everything that's happened so far. If you're looking at the schedule, you'd probably circle in Kevin Harvick as the winner of the Michigan race because this is his place. Now you look at the fact that there's no practice, right? No qualifying. He is just going off of the notes. The team's just going off of the notes. Who has better notes on this track than Kevin Harvick, right? They don't have a chance to tweak their cars or anything like that. So I get it, though. This year, you know, he's not his year. So you can't say, all right, well, it's an automatic thing. He's ninth in the 2021 green flag stats at these 550 package tracks, which, you know, that is what it is, but I think at plus 800, that gets my attention. For a guy who has a three-peat going on, looking for a four-peat, um, I think I'll take that plus 800 number. It's just very intriguing to me. So, And I'd hate to be the guy who missed out on the four car, bouncing back, shocking the world, getting prepped for the playoffs with a big win here at Michigan, missing out on plus 800. That would be tough. Uh, to live with going into Daytona next week. So, And you also have the Ford camp here. Uh, I'm going to touch on Ford again in a second, but uh, we talked about it a second ago, six in a row. So this would be seven in a row for Ford. 
Um, they take this track very seriously, and Kevin Harvick, obviously, a big part of that stable. So lock me in, plus 800. Now let's regroup. We'll go back to the favorite, okay? Because Kyle Larson is who we're probably all expecting to to be talked about here. He's going off at plus 280. You know, a little bit different odds there, but I'm kind of surprised that they're not shorter, honestly. I mean, he is just on an, another planet right now. Any car, any track, anywhere, that's Kyle Larson. And my hand is up here with Kyle Larson because I was kind of against him when we were going through that road course stretch, right? I was saying, yeah, you know, the mile and a half, it's it's Kyle Larson or, or bust. But, you know, we got Chase and we've got some of these other guys who, you know, Kyle hasn't historically been good on the, the road courses. He's going to lose his momentum there. You know, I, I've said that on the podcast various times. And he completely proved me wrong. He should have won that race on Sunday. That's just a fact. So... He should have more bonus points than he does. He's having a year just absolutely ridiculous compared to anybody else. And then, you know, he won Knoxville Nationals. That's what I'm saying. Like any race car, it doesn't matter where you put him. He's going to win that race. Any race track, Two Mile Michigan, uh, a road course at Indy or, or Watkins Glen or, or wherever, it's it's anywhere. Mile and a half across the country, mile racetracks, it's it's. Kyle Larson all day and night. So let's talk about Michigan. I'll stop pumping his tires here, but we'll talk about why I like him at plus 280. Stats at Michigan are still pretty solid, right? Six starts. He has two wins. He went back to back in the 2017 season. That was the last time he won three top fives and three top tens. He missed last year for obvious reasons. So his last race was in 2019 and he finished third the last time he was here. His average finish compared to everyone else is eighth, 10.7. Driver rating is seventh, 98.1. But, you know, if you are looking at those stats and you're saying, well, you know, they're good, but they're not great. Like, Phil, are they really worth um, plus 280 to take him to win? I would say yes, because we need to live in the here and now. He's finally taken over the points lead. He's got the most wins. He's just killing it in all categories. His green flag speed 2021 season is first at all these similar racetracks. He's starting on the pole. We talked about how it's got high percentage of winners starting on the pole, probably the highest percent that I've seen in a while, 22%. Um, So how could you not take Kyle Larson? I just don't understand what's the case against him. You know what I mean? If he was like minus 110 to win the race, yeah, sure. I I would be on your side. But plus 280, it's still decent for me. So sign me up for that five car to win the race at Michigan. So now we're going to talk about the wild card. And you're going to have to hang with me here because if we're looking for value, you really have to go searching for it here. Hear me out about Ryan Blaney plus 1800. This is the long shot pick. All right, he's never won at Michigan. So if you're against me on this, fine. You know what? Kick rocks. I I don't want you on board anyway. Because there's definitely some drivers with shorter odds that make sense. You know, you could probably make a case for a lot of guys. But Blaney at that number is intriguing. He's eight starts, two top fives, four top tens at Michigan. His average finish is 13th on the circuit, 16.0. That doesn't really get your attention. But... What really adds to that is the fact that he finished 38th 
last time we were here, the, the very last race, second race of the doubleheader in 2020. So that stuff is contributing to why he's plus 1800. But let's take a look now. All right, because there's some positives here. In race one last year, he finished fourth. All right, and every other race, he's got a little bit of a pattern going. Every other race, he finishes with a top five, going back like six races or so. And that would mean that he's due for another top five. So why not a win? If he's in that situation, we get a, a late restart, you know, green-white checkered situation. Why can't he get it done? Now, I mentioned his average finish isn't spectacular for a guy that you're picking to win the race, but driver rating is ninth, 96.4. So that tells a little bit different stories, not getting the finishes that maybe he deserves. He finished second place last week in that shit show at Indy. All right. That can only bring positive vibes. He had the, the captain, Roger Penske, looking down on him at Indy. You know, he's got some, some positive momentum here, gathered up, heading to Ford's track their hometown and 2021 green flag speed on similar racetracks he's fifth he's the best ford in those rankings so that's what really has my attention with blaney because if you're saying to yourself ford's gonna win bar none right ford's gonna win blaney technically this year has been the best ford at these racetracks and just a little side bet here He's going off at plus 800 just to be the top Ford. Now, that right there is a bet that I think is worth looking into because it's not like Chevy where you've got a guy, Kyle Larson, that would have to screw up for you to take somebody else at plus 800 to cash in. Ford is a bit of a shit show. I mean, I called out Kevin Harvick um, as a guy who's dominant here, but you know, if you're making the case for Blaney over him, there's one to be made. Like, it's not a huge end of the spectrum, right, with these guys. They're kind of more bunched up. Logano and Kozlowski, Blaney, Harvick, all these guys, there's not really a, a huge leader in this pack. So I am really interested in that plus 800 for the top Ford, but I think he has a chance to really shock it. Ford is notorious for taking all their drivers out to eat on Saturday night and sitting them down and reading them the riot act. Like, we will not let someone else win. You guys need to go get it done. And obviously they've done it for the past few years. So if that's going to happen and we're looking to the top Ford, I think the top Ford is driving that 12 car. So um, give me Ryan Blaney plus 1,800, plus 800 to be the top Ford. I'm all over those bets. And that is how we're going to wrap up the winner section. So it's Harvick plus 800 to win, Larson plus 280, and then if you want the wild card pick, Blaney plus 1800. Next up, we're going to get to the finishing position bets. And this week, it is very tough to find value. So week in, week out, we're not usually taking the guys who are really short odds to, to basically be layups and having to give up a lot just to make a little. We're trying to find spots that, you know, you might be able to steal some money from the sports books. It's hard this week. I mean, it is not an easy task. So we're going to go out on some limbs here and, you know, you're going to have to stick with me. But I am going to start with some, some shorter odds than we're used to in this section to talk about a guy to finish in the top five. Because looking at his stats, he, he really stood out to me. So we're talking about Kyle Busch, 
minus 145 to finish in the top five. All right, so we're giving up a little bit there, but I think that this is a pretty sound and safe bet, dare I say, safe? I don't know. Is anything safe in NASCAR these days? But um, looking at his last eight races, he has five top five finishes and eight top tens. So just to take a quick side note about top tens, he's the only driver racing on Sunday that in his last eight races has finished in the top 10 all eight times. So I guess that could lend itself to say to finish in the top five. I mean, if he's there, he's going to give himself a shot is what we're saying. Five of the last six races, he's finished in the top five. So he has figured something out here at Michigan that other guys just haven't. And the one that he didn't finish in the top five, the one that he missed in the last six, it was six, sixth place finish. So it's a bit of a tongue twister there, but I think the point is getting across. And if we're talking about driver rating, average finish, Harvick is number one. We called him out, but Kyle Larson is number two in both of those stats. Average finish is 5.5 in the last eight races, 105.9 for the driver rating. I think we, we mentioned that earlier, but we'll say it again because it's damn good. And, you know, looking at this season then, because that's the historical data at Michigan, but this season, he's right behind Kyle Larson for the green flag speed at the similar racetracks. So minus 145 to finish in the top five, like I said, seems like pretty solid. I'm willing to give up a little bit more there. Now, if you're looking for, you know, a chance to push it a little bit, that minus 145 is just not wetting your beak enough. You could stretch it to top three, plus 185 to finish in the top three, but he does not have that many top three finishes. I think he's got one in the last eight. So that's why I'm saying, you know, I don't know if I really want to take that shot. Um, top five is, is something that I'm more comfortable with. So lock me in there, the 18 car, minus 145. A little bit different. couple top 10 picks for you. And we're going to start with Kyle's brother, Kurt. He has been our golden goose. So much disrespect for Kurt Busch from the sports books this year. And this week is not any different. He's plus 125 to finish in the top 10. If you're Kurt, I mean, I'm sure these guys don't ever follow the odds, but if you're Kurt, right, every week you pull up the app and they just keep saying that you're you're plus money to finish in the top 10 like that's got to be like guys I'm, I'm there every week like what are you talking about but we'll take it because he has just been making us money left and right so looking at his stats at michigan last eight races two top fives five top tens and in 2020 last year the the double header there he had back-to-back -back top 10 finishes both 10th place so after that, or rather before, chronologically, he had a 23rd place finish. Okay, a little rough, but he had a stretch leading up to that that was absolutely on fire. A second place finish, sixth place, third place. Like, he's right there. Average finish compared to everybody else is sixth. 9.6 .6 is that average. Driver rating is eighth, 97.7. So it just seems to me like he's kind of forgotten here. Plus 125 is a number that I am absolutely comfortable throwing that down on Kurt Busch. And, you know, if you want something different 
you know, maybe you, you don't like the fact that he's seventh compared to everyone on the 2021 green flag speed, similar racetracks. All of these numbers are, are good numbers. You want a little bit more juice. Um, minus 130 head-to-head versus Tyler Reddick. I mean, that seems like a legit shot at a, a nice payday there. So um, if you want to maybe throw a lot more money on just him beating one other driver, not worrying about the top 10, but just beating one other guy, Tyler Reddick. I think Reddick might be gripping the steering, steering wheel a little bit tight, you know, with uh, the playoffs looming and everything. Don't want to make a mistake. So if I got a guy who's driving free at a racetrack that he's decent at versus a guy that is, you know, really a little bit on edge, I'll take the the Kurt Busch in that matchup. So a lot to bet on there with Kurt, but um, definitely all over the plus 125 number. Now, if you really want to try to go for some some big odds here for the top 10, Eric Almarola plus 280. Hear me out before you turn the episode off because this is risky. My hand is up on that. He finished sixth here in the second race at Michigan in the doubleheader. So right then and there, you can say, all right, well, he can get it done. He's got two top tens in eight races at Michigan, but he's always in and around that top 10 number. His average running position is 14.8. His average finish compared to everyone is 10th. So, you know, those numbers, they're going to get you kind of in the ballpark, right? The Part of the reason why you're betting is to make it interesting for yourself. If you're betting Almirola top 10, I think you're going to have some fun watching him in around those mid-teens, see if he can sneak up and snag one here. But the real reason that I think I'm willing to take a longer shot at plus 280 on this bet is to really see what Almirola has. We had a conversation last week with, with Phil and Steve uh, from bettheprop.com, and I think they asked me, like, do you think Stuart Haas Racing is back? Like, are they are they ready for the playoffs? This is the test. We mentioned Harvick. This is the test for Amarola. He's locked in. So is he geared up and ready to go? If they come out and lay an egg like they have on the similar racetracks this year, their green flag speed is terrible on these comparable racetracks. So will he have the bounce back, the momentum, because we were just at road courses, right? Two back-to-back road courses coming off three weeks off, essentially, for the Olympics. He had a a lot of wet blankets thrown on his uh, big win. So here's a chance for them to really get a health check here. You know, are they going to be competitive or not? Because if they come out and they're competitive, that really is going to raise some eyebrows. Maybe they can make some moves in the playoffs. But I'm really... And so I'm going to throw some money down on him to see if we can uh, cash in all together there. So, and, and if plus 280 to finish in the top 10 seems too tall of an order, he's minus 170 to finish in the top 20. That seems like a lock, but you're obviously giving up a lot more. So Almirola plus 280, if you want to go for the really risky bet, there's a lot going on there. The intangibles are there to try to make that happen. So we'll end this section with a finishing position bet for top 20. Chris Buescher is going off plus 130 to finish in the top 20. Last year in the doubleheader, in 2020, he finished, get this, 20th and 20th. So in 2020, he finished 2020. Um, 
I, I, you know, that's what they say about hindsight, I guess. So average finish, 19.5 in his last eight starts. That's 17th compared to everyone on the racetrack. And his top 20s in his last eight races. So if you're just adding up all the top 20s he's had in the last eight, he has six of them. That's a lot. And so looking at who he has more top 20s than in the last eight races, that sample size, he has more than Larson, more than Dylan, more than Alex Bowman, and some others, some other big names there. So that really stands out to you. You know, all you need to do is finish in the top 20. I'd have to imagine that that'll update. Um, so get that while you can. And then here's the kicker. 2021, his green flag speed at these similar racetracks is 13th compared to everyone else. And that improves. So if you just look at his total green flag speed average on the season, you've got, you know, whatever number he's at. But when you just focus on these similar racetracks, he improves to 13th. I think he's probably somewhere back around 20th um, for the full average speed. I don't have the number up in front of me. But the point is, these tracks, for whatever reason, he's better at this year. So take advantage of that plus 130 number because that is value. Talked about how it's tough to find value here at Michigan. This is it. Top 20, Chris Buescher, plus 130. So that's going to round out the finishing position section of the podcast. Yeah. Can you send my baseball? Sure. Yeah. Wow. Avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan. Wow. That's good advice. So now we'll get to the head-to-head section of the podcast. Last week, we had Steve and, and Phil on to do the full tank face-off. And like I said at the top of the episode, did come out victorious there. Won 2-1. to one. The Briscoe incident at the end actually clinched that for me because when he was running in second place uh, before he ran through the grass, took the penalty, got parked, they would have won two to one themselves, but um, because of that incident and the chaos that unfolded there, that gave me the edge that I uh, needed there. So uh, yeah, again, thanks to those guys for coming on, looking to do that again. But I'm two and zero on the air with these full tank faceoffs, and we got another one coming up next week. Our guy Chris has reached out, so we will be talking with him um, coming on next week for Daytona. So I'll see if can remain undefeated next week against him. But uh, this week at Michigan, we have some pretty standard head-to-head matchups according to the DraftKings Sportsbooks right now. Um, But I do think that there's opportunity here. So let's kick it off by starting with Joey Logano, minus 120, going up against Alex Bowman, plus 100. So to me, this is a question of, do you care about this year? Or do you care about the history of this racetrack? So let's start with Joey Logano. In his last eight races, he has a win, three top fives, six top tens, average finish 9.9. That's seventh on the circuit. Driver rating is fifth, 103.1. The stats are there, right? The stats prove to you that Joey Logano knows what he's doing at Michigan. A doubleheader last year, how did he finish? Well, fifth and eighth, like right where you'd think he would finish. Really good stuff at Michigan, historically. This year for Joey has been a little bit strange. Green flag speed at these tracks, he's 16th compared to everyone else. That is a shocking number. When I was doing the math on the spreadsheet, um, I, I was scrolling, 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 looking for him. Like, I'm, Did I miss him? Did I not put him in? 
but there he was, 16th, which is not good and also very unexpected. So we talked about how Chris Buescher is performing better on average at these comparable racetracks. Well, it's the opposite for Logano. He's doing much better in overall green flag speed, but when you look at just these, he drops down a little bit. So let's look at Alex Bowman, and we'll talk about why I said what I said about the year versus historic numbers. Six races lifetime at Michigan, two top tens. His average finish is 18.7. Yikes. Not good. Back-to-back top 10 finishes in 2019. Last year, though, was a little bit different story. He finished 36th the last time, the second race in the doubleheader. And the first race really wasn't that much better. He finished 21st. So not great, uh, I guess you could say. But in 2021, his green flag speed on these tracks are sixth compared to everyone else. So that's telling you that maybe he does have an edge at Michigan. Even though he hasn't proved it on this track, this year, maybe driving the 48 car, maybe there's something different about it. Um, so that really gets you to perk up a little bit. He's plus 100. But then I go back to the, the head-to-head. So looking at these guys on the same track at Michigan, Joey has just been dominating. Five and one against Alex Bowman when they're on the track together. You have the factor around Ford. I mean, I mentioned how they take this super seriously. It wouldn't shock me whatsoever if Joey went out and won the race. Um, I don't think that he's having the, the type of season right now to be able to just turn it on and do that, but I do think that he can beat Alex Bowman. So minus 120, Joey Logano is who I'm rolling with here at Michigan to lead off the head-to-head picks. Now we're going to take a look at some guys who are going to be further back in the pack than the guys who we just talked about. Bubba Wallace, minus 130 taking on Ricky Stenhouse Jr., plus 100. Both of these guys, if you're betting on them, I guarantee they're going to be in that fighting for 20th position category, right? So when you're watching the race and they have the ticker along the left-hand side showing the the running order, they're going to be, you know, I think typically the max amount of guys they show on the left-hand side ticker is 20 guys. They're going to be like right at the bottom of that, or you have to wait for them to flip to 21 and beyond because that historically is where these guys are running. Bubba Wallace in seven races here, he has one top 10 finish. He finished ninth in the first race of the doubleheader last year. But other than that, he hasn't really shown that he is up in that area. You know, it's kind of a one and done situation when you're looking at his stats historically. Now, obviously, new vehicle, new car, new team, everything there. Maybe they're starting to build some speed up, but. Um, Looking at it, though, his average finished 20.9 at Michigan in seven races. Ricky Stenhouse, similar situation. He also has one top 10 finish. It was an eighth place finish back in 2017. And just like Bubba, he doesn't isn't even sniffed a top 10 other than that. His average finish right there next to Bubba, 21.4. So here's the thing. Green flag speed. This year, 2021, the the comparable racetracks, Bubba is 18th average. Ricky is 21st. So everything that we're saying here is proving that they're very, very, very similar. They're in and around each other. Head-to-head, if we look at the last seven races, Ricky actually holds a 4-3 advantage here. So where I'm going with this is I'm taking the odds. 
Ricky Stenhouse at plus 100. I like getting the odds in this type of scenario because Bubba is not proving that he's worth that minus 130 number. Like, I don't know what it is. Are they thinking that Ricky's just looking ahead to Daytona because he's such a super speedway guy? I mean, this is a fast racetrack. Ricky seems to like fast racetracks. I don't know. Plus 100 to me seems worth the risk when the stats say that they're super close. So I'm going to go take a little bit of a risk. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. plus 100 because of the odds and the value that we're getting for Ricky. Now we got one more matchup here, and I think this is the matchup of the week. Ross Chastain minus 115 taking on Austin Dillon minus 105. This seems like a mismatch. I don't understand the odds. So Ross Chastain, he has three starts historically in the 15 car, terrible car, not a competitive vehicle whatsoever. And his stats obviously show that. He has not finished better than 26. Driver rating is an average 40.0. I mean, that's disgusting, but, you know, what's he supposed to do? He's driving around trying not to get run over by everyone else. Austin, on the other hand, has a lot of experience here. In his last eight races, he has a top five, three top tens. Average finish is 16.3. Driver rating, 72.8. So he finished eighth in the last time we were here, the second race in the doubleheader. Looking at these guys on the same track together, obviously Austin Dillon is 3-0 and in that matchup against each other. So then you're saying to yourself, all right, well, why is Ross the favorite, right? What makes sense? It has to be because of this year. But if you look at the 2021 green flag speed, he is not better than Austin Dillon. Austin has him beat Easily, Austin is 10th in average green flag speed on comparable racetracks. Ross is 19th. That's a nine points average difference compared to each other. That just doesn't make sense. So what is happening here with these sports books saying that Ross is the favorite? They must be caught up in the, the hype of Ross right now. He's coming off a good stretch of road courses where he's been able to show, yeah, he's, he's legit. We took him. We were all over him. Last few races, last few episodes, but it's back to reality now, okay? This is a 550 package. Ross has not been good, and Austin Dillon has been relatively decent, like could compete for a top 10, and like got a top 10 last time we are here. So he'll be competing for it, and on top of that, he's chasing Tyler Reddick and needs points. So he's going to be pushing it, and so in this case, it was a little bit different than the matchup I called out with Reddick and Bush, where I was saying it's a guy driving, gripping the wheel too tight versus a guy driving free. I don't think Ross has the speed here to compete with Dylan. So the fact that Dylan's competing for points as well is a, a feather in the cap in this matchup. So I think this is an absolute lock. The fact that he needs points is just a, a kicker. Austin Dillon minus 105 as the underdog in this matchup against Ross Chastain. Lock me in. So just to recap here, we're going to go with Joey Logano minus 120 over Alex Bowman, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. plus 100, the underdog against Bubba Wallace, and Austin Dillon minus 105 over Ross Chastain. If you were to throw that in a parlay, you would get plus 633 value for that. So um, I'm definitely going to be doing that. 
as well as betting on these guys individually. But I really like all three of these matchups. So lock it in and make some money. So we're going to end the episode this week with some truck race action. The line's available super early this week on DraftKings. You can see anything from race winners to head-to-head matchups right now. So great job by the sports books getting this out there. And for me, I'm super excited. Friday night truck racing, 9 o'clock gateway. To me, that's perfect. I happen to be on kid duty this Friday. Wife's going out. I'm putting the kids to bed. She said, yeah, sorry to leave you hanging there. I'm thinking nothing's better than this. You know what I mean? Getting to put the kids down to bed and cracking some Miller lights, watching the truck race. So let's talk about some action. This could be some early leans. Um, probably put them out there on the Insta stories on Friday night or Friday afternoon as we get closer. But I think everything starts and stops with John Hunter Nemechek. He has five starts at Gateway, one win, two top fives, three top tens. He's going off at plus 250 to win the race. And to me, this is a no-brainer. I mean, this is kind of like the Kyle Larson situation. He is just absolutely dominating this season. And when you think about how he's got to deal with some of these guys coming down, like his boss, Kyle Busch, and the fact that he's been able to hold him and others off to win Five races this season. That, to me, speaks volumes. I absolutely love what John Hunter Nemechek has done this season. I think we should call him John Hunter Nemechek because he has just been absolutely lights out. And I love the fact that he's put his ego aside and he's just said, you know what, I don't have a Cup Series ride. I'm going to go down to trucks and I'm going to have some fun and win some races and, and get the job done. More guys should do that. You know what I mean? I'm talking to you, Ty Dillon. Uh, if you can find a ride down there. So plus 250, no cup guys coming down, start of the playoffs. It just makes total sense that John Hunter would go out and cash his way into the next round. Now, if it's not going to be John Hunter, somebody I was kind of looking at was Todd Gillen. He's going off at plus 800 to win the race. He has four starts at Gateway. His average finish is 12.3. That, you know, might not get a lot of people's attention, but he has back-to-back second-place finishes sandwiched between two outside-the-top-20 finishes. So finishing second, I mean, that's telling you he's there. So if it's not going to be John Hunter and you're looking for some action, plus 800 for Gillen, that seems to be a pretty good number there. And if you want even more value here for Gillen, he's going off at plus 100 to finish in the top five. So, I mean, he's literally been, you know, hit or miss, you know what I mean, either second place or outside the top 20. Uh, But I think plus 100 finishing the top five is just as good there. So um, either one, you know what I mean? If you don't like him to win the race at plus 800, you know, a little too risky for you, that plus 100 number to finish in the top 10, excuse me, top five, let's not get ahead of ourselves, um, that is could be even more fun to watch this Friday night. So now some head-to-head matchups. Um, I have made money this year with what I call the Smith Parlay. It's Chandler Smith and Zane Smith and whoever they're facing. Like There have been times when I'm realizing the race is going to be starting in like 10 minutes and I need to throw something in quick. I just default to 
Smith, Smith, lock it in, parlay, done. And it's hit many times this season. Uh, The problem that we're running into now is the DraftKings Sportsbook, which is really one of the only books that has head-to-head matchups for the truck series, uh, the, the parlays in the truck series are gone which is a killer because I absolutely love throwing like long shots in and, and the Smith parlay. So I'm going to obviously send a message because I'm a, a thorn in the sides of DraftKings. But um, in its absence, I mean, we should still talk about who they're going up against because if it was a parlay that was doable, it might be a little bit of a tall order. Zane Smith going up against Sheldon Creed. This one might be a little tough to do. Creed won this race at Gateway last year. But both of them in the last two races, Zane and Creed have a win over each other head-to-head. So um, I think it was Creed last year finished first, and Zane finished seventh. And then the year before that, Creed finished seventh, and Zane finished fifth right ahead of him. So um, I guess you could say, is it Zane's turn this time around? I mean, obviously Creed, you know, love knowing that the guy last time he was there Saw victory lane. That means a lot, but I don't think Creed's going to go back to back. Um, so Zane Smith, is it his turn? You know, maybe that's the way you convince yourself that he's the one to take in this matchup. Uh, but they're going off at even odds at the moment. Then the other Smith, Chandler Smith, also a bit of a, a tall order here. He's going up against Stuart Friesen. Now, Friesen at Gateway has an average finish of 7.0, fifth place finish, third place finish, and a 13th place finish recently in three races for Friesen. Uh, Chandler Smith, kind of like what we were saying about Todd Gillen, just like hit or miss. He finished fourth and 23rd here in his two starts at Gateway. That's good enough for an average finish of 13.5. So the thing about it is this season, they're both in the playoffs and they're both in the same spot. They're, they're minus one to the cut line, and they're going to be battling each other. So that's a matchup that I absolutely love to take. Um, I think if you're going off of historical data, Friesen is definitely the one that makes sense. I I really don't like betting on Stuart Friesen. I, I don't know why. I made a lot of money betting Brett Moffitt versus Friesen like 2016, like a long time ago. And I just can't stop betting against him. So uh, I think for that reason, I'm going to go with Chandler Smith and see how it works out. Obviously, we can't put the parlay in, but um, the Smith boys, I'm going to ride with them to start the playoffs and kind of see where it takes me this Friday night. Now, the, the last thing that I'll call out on the pod right now is this Carson Hosever guy. Uh, we mentioned him before. I don't even know if I'm saying his last name correctly, but He's going off at plus 400 to finish in the top five. That's a bit of a stretch, but plus 125 for a top 10, that's more doable. So I think, you know, he is definitely someone who is flying below the radar. He just signed a new deal to be back in the truck series next year, which I think is great. He's a young guy who has definitely shown promise. He has three top fives, five top tens this season. He's in the playoffs as well, fighting for position. Um, He finished 16th here in his only start at Gateway. So if you don't like those odds to finish in the top five or top ten, he's going head-to-head against Josh Berry, the media darling Josh Berry, just signed with Junior Motorsports to drive the eight car next year in the Xfinity Series. Well, Carson here is the underdog, minus 105 to Josh Berry's 
125. Um, so if you're a fan of this Carson Hosever guy like I am, that head-to-head matchup might be worth your while as well if the you know other bets are a little bit too tall of an ask. So those are just my initial thoughts about the truck series, guys. Obviously, there's some guys that we have not touched on um, that could very easily win the race. So keep an eye on the Instagram account at Full Tank Phil for any other head-to-head matchups or any other leans to, to win the race. I'll try to share some thoughts there Friday afternoon uh, heading in to that Friday Night Light matchup at Gateway. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thanks for listening this week. We appreciate it. And if you think Michigan's a bit of a boring race, all the more reason to get out there and place those bets and make some money because we've got the Daytona night race upon us next week. So very excited for that race. Last race before the playoffs. We need money to bet on it. So get it this week. Remember, Drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next week.